I'm glad you found your way to the Your Vet Wants You to Know podcast for more information about how to care for your pet. The show is designed to be educational and entertaining, but not to give a specific diagnosis or treatment for your animal. That job belongs to your veterinarian who knows your pet and wants to talk to you about what's going on with them. I'm here to be a resource only. Thanks and enjoy the show. As a curious pet owner, have you ever taken to the internet for more information? Maybe you want to know why your pet is itchy and what you can do about it. Maybe you're frustrated about the ear infections. Maybe you're looking for ways to make veterinary care more affordable. Instead of wading through a sea of information that may not be reliable and in some cases may be harmful, here is what your vet wants you to know. I'm Dr. Brittany Lancelotti, board-certified veterinary dermatology specialist. Join me to get the information you're looking for to care for your pet. If you're curious about your pet, then your vet wants you to know. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Your Vet Wants You to Know. August is Itchy Pet Awareness Month. And as a pet owner who has extensive experience with allergies and who has been doing a great job of advocating for evidence-based treatments and cooperation between veterinary dermatologists and pet owners, I wanted to invite on today Petra Lee to tell us her story and bring some more awareness to allergic skin disease. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm actually an environmental scientist and I've been doing that for over 20 years and that's where I get a lot of my science savvy. I work on environmental water quality and I live in Northern California and I obviously love dogs, which is why I'm on this podcast. Um, I've only had dogs for about 10 years, but Every single one that I've had has had the massive health issue, <laughs> including epilepsy. I had one with genetic blindness. And then, of course, I had a dog olive with allergies, and I currently have another dog with allergies as well. So, Pedro, you and I actually know each other because of a Facebook group that you are an administrator for, and that's the Dog Allergies Information and Support Group. So I am really excited for you to come on and kind of share your experience with your allergic pet, Olive, and kind of how Olive brought you to this Facebook group and the support system that you have there. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Olive and what you went through with her? Oh, okay. Olive is, um, she was, she passed away five and a half months ago, like a little while ago. And she was a about six-year-old, they called it a pocket beagle, but she was a very poorly bred beagle who I got as a foster. I was fostering for a medical rescue. They're called For Our Friends and they're in Northern California, run by a vet, Dr. Ribinowitz. And I was the second foster because she was so aggressive and she also just had massive skin issues and teeth issues. Her owner had passed away and she ended up just getting dropped off at the shelter where she just became super shut down. And so the vet pulled her and she went to that first foster family, was too aggressive and then came to me. It's hard to describe all of When I first got her, she was so like just aggressive and she was scared and she was just a mess. Like she couldn't go two seconds without itching. It was just awful. She ended up just being a lover by the time I got her through that, but I couldn't even touch her. I couldn't pet her. I couldn't do a lot of things with her initially. She had crusty skin and she had almost no hair and her skin was just like super saggy. It was just, it was like there were two beagles in there. It was kind of wild. She was basically turned over to the shelter and they said her bad habits were itching too much and eating too much and she had tapeworm 
and she also had fleas and she has a flea allergies and she also had a massive yeast infection and she's got yeast, right? And she was allergic to all of those things. Oh my gosh, she sounds like she was a total mess at that time. Oh, it's horrible. And she was my ninth official foster dog and I ended up just getting her through it. She got tons of baths. We ruled out mange. The vet that does for our friends was really familiar with the skin issues. Eventually she landed on Apoquel which still wasn't working enough because she still had yeast allergies and all sorts of horrible things. So eventually I realized that there were dermatology vets. I just did this desperate Google search and I took her to Animal Dermatology and Allergy in Rockland, California, and it's with Dr. Sakai. And they gave her more Apoquel, but we also were able to wean it back to the amount she should have. We got her on immunotherapy, and I think the first time I went, I was almost in tears the whole time with relief because it had been such a journey with all of And the mm-hmm. first time that she ended up going and rolling around in the grass without a cone at the dog park, I just burst into tears. Like, I was so happy. It had been such a journey, and she became way less aggressive when she felt better. Like, she had very few aggression issues by the time she passed away, and she also had very clear skin. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing that I was going to ask because, you know, I've talked about my allergic dog, Russell Sprout, on the show before and how we've gone through his allergy journey and working up his environmental allergies, starting him on immunotherapy. And I thought for sure that his food allergies were very mild. But Mm. just recently, my husband and I had a really nice salmon dinner and we had just a little bit of salmon left over. We gave it some to our three dogs. And within two hours, Russell was tearing his face off and itching uncontrollably. And for the next few days until I was able to get his flare under control, he was so cranky with my kids. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's He's usually very, very tolerant of them, despite being kind of short-tempered with everybody else in his life. (laughs) Um, He's always been great with my kids, but he was really uncomfortable as a result of his allergies. So did you saw a big difference in Olive's temperament when her skin was feeling better? Oh, massive. She... We just always aggressive towards female dogs, which is, I'm just like, hey, feminism, lady. But she <laughs> just always was aggressive, but it just got toned way down and her resource aggression went way down. And that's actually something we hear about in the group a lot, too. So I ended up taking her off of immunotherapy at one point because she was doing so well. And then her medication stopped working. So I put her right back on that immunotherapy and she went back to <laughs> being able to be itch free, which is the way she should have been in the first place if I had to taken it away. Sorry, Olive. Yeah. And you mentioned something that I hear quite a lot from pet owners when they come to see me in the dermatology office is that they didn't even know that veterinary dermatologists existed. So is that something that your primary care vet told you about or you found on your own? No, I found it on my own. I actually just did a Google search and I hadn't had a lot of experience with specialists, frankly, that wasn't something that I even occurred to me. I never took Olive to my primary care physician because she was being treated by the veterinarian in the rescue. And Mm -hmm. she never mentioned anything either. And I, the funny thing is that she actually does refer people to animal dermatology. So either I didn't hear it or she didn't say it or something. I'm really grateful that they exist, but I had no idea. And about half the time on the group, that's what we tell people, go to a dermatologist. (laughs) So I want to talk about the group because this is a pretty amazing group that you're part of here. And it's Dog Allergies Information and Support. It is a Facebook group. And this has been a fantastic resource and support group for pet owners that are looking for answers. And they're experiencing this caregiver burden that often comes when 
when you have a pet with allergies. Can you tell me a little bit about how this group came about and kind of what it means to you? Yeah, I was on Facebook one day, you know, during my search. It was probably almost the same day that I started looking up dermatology stuff, frankly. And I did a search for dog allergies and this group popped up. And it was a fairly small group still, and it was less than a thousand people. And it was run by a woman named Fiona. And I saw people's questions and eventually I went to the dermatology vet. So I started telling them what I had learned. And at that point, she asked me, can you help admin? Because she was the only one adminning. And I said, sure. So from there, it just grew. And she actually is still part of the group. She decided she didn't want to admin anymore. And the group is up to like 17,000 people now. And That's crazy. Yeah. And the one thing that I think has really been beneficial is that we are evidence-based. So as time went on, I got more and more uncomfortable with a lot of the pseudoscience that was out there is how I will put it. I got really uncomfortable with that and in remedies that can harm dogs. Like the longer I've been doing this, the more I can kind of weed that out. And it just became more evidence-based and people had a lot of tantrums about it, but then they don't need to be in the group. So that's kind of what we ended up having to do because we couldn't be furthering bad science. I'm a scientist. This is really important to me. And this, my field is not in any way related to dogs or allergies or even mammals, but I really do find that I can lock on to what good sources of information are. That's just part of my training. And so I usually am able to research and find things out. One of the other admins is a nurse, and that's actually been really helpful. You also have the experience of working closely with a dermatology veterinarian and have that information that you've been given directly regarding Olive and what experience you've gone through. So having that relationship with a dermatology vet allows you to kind of mm -hmm. ask those questions. Hey, I heard this. Is that something that's actually true or is that something that maybe I should steer clear of? So having that relationship is really important too and knowing what's evidence-based and what's kind of those allergy myths that that are out there. Oh, yes. Dr. Sakai is phenomenal. She knows that I do this group. And so I've asked her questions periodically about things that people will ask me. And she's just fantastic. She's very mellow. And I do have to say, when I went into her initially, it was just calming, like so calming, like she's like, no problem, we got this handled. And so that's what we usually suggest is talk to a dermatology vet if they can. And if they can't, have their regular vet talk to one because some people can't afford to go to a dermatology vet. That's unfortunately just the truth. But mm -hmm. a lot of times if they can get to a regular vet, their regular vet can do a professional consultation. So we suggest that a lot. We also put a lot of time in the group on making sure we really screen and watch comments for bad information and dangerous information and misinformation. And we have it in the rules. And as much as possible, we repeat, repeat, repeat. Like we're evidence-based, we're dermatology-based. We don't allow diagnosis diagnoses that's the right word and treatments we can suggest things like medicated baths i feel comfortable with that but for the most part talk to your vet talk to your vet and we just support each other a lot yeah, I think one of the things that I've really loved watching the group is the support that pet owners are getting from one another. And it's always really exciting and heartwarming to see people share their journey with their allergic pet. You know, you have people that you welcome into the group when they first join, but then they'll post a year or two later, hey, here's an update on what's happening with my dog. And it's really fun to see how these people go through and their animals actually getting better 
better as a result of the relationship with the dermatology vet that has been fostered by this Facebook group. So I think that's incredibly invaluable and it's a beautiful community that you've built. Well, thank you. That's my favorite part too, is people come back and said, hey, we learned about dermatology vets. And so we went to one. And the longer the group's been around, the more and more comments come up, go to a dermatology vet. So we almost don't have to say it anymore. (laughs) A lot of folks just say it for us. And that's been really, really awesome because I get tired of repeating myself 15 times a day, but I also think it's important information. And funnily enough, I have another dog now with allergies and we just went through a diet trial and she's going to have the intradermal testing at the end of this month. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's very exciting. I will be very interested to hear how she does with her immunotherapy moving forward. She's in really good hands with you. <laughs> I know she landed well with that. Some other issues, not so much, but allergies, I feel pretty comfortable with at this point. <laughs> yeah, of course. So what would you like other pet owners with allergic pets to know? What do you think you've learned from your experience with Olive and now with your new dog? There are a couple big things that I've really learned. And the first one is that it's important to work with a specialist. If your dog has moderate to severe allergies or really anything that is flummoxing your regular veterinarian, head to a specialist. Like I live near UC Davis. So I'm really lucky that there's a lot of specialists around. My regular vet, I adore them. They don't have that specialized training though. And for me, I'm a biologist. I don't know everything about biology, but I have my specialty that I know about. And it's dermatology vets are very similar. And so what I have had from time to time is had my general vet actually call the dermatology vet for a consultation. And then they've talked about, okay, how to deal with all of having surgery. So she needs, I'm not going to be able to bathe her for like two weeks. So how do I deal with that? And so that's a really good, valuable thing to be able to do is to have your general veterinarian be able to talk to your specialist. And that's something that we're happy to do as well. I mean, there are definitely clients that I see or pet owners that I see that come down from Central California because there's not a dermatologist that's in Central California and I'm in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so they'll drive four or five hours to come to see me and doing regular rechecks with them isn't really practical. Mm -hmm. So I can reach out to their primary care veterinarian or their primary care veterinarian can reach out to me and give me an update as far as what's going on or I can reach out to them and say, hey, here's where we're at right now. Would you mind checking on this for me in, you know, in a few weeks? And it really helps that relationship that we have so that we have a continuity of care with these animals and they can get the help that they need. So for people that are in parts of the country where there may not be a dermatologist in your region, it's really helpful to ask your family veterinarian if they can reach out to a specialist and ask them questions and see if there's any other thoughts that they have, because we're here to help. You know, that's what we want to do. We love veterinary dermatology. We love helping itchy pets. And if a pet owner isn't always able to get in to see us, there's ways that we can help them, even if they're not in the office. So don't be afraid to talk to your family veterinarian about what different options there are if you can't get in to see a dermatologist. Absolutely. And my sister just went to Dr. Sakai as well, because her dog has allergies. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, right. And so she ended up just having to go to the regular vet because she couldn't get in. And I told her, go have your regular vet, call them and ask or just call Mm -hmm. them and ask. Before the pandemic, the office would often call like after two weeks, how is your dog doing? How is your dog doing? And they would check in with me pretty regularly, which I think they don't have the staff to do that right now anymore. But 
every time I call, how is your dog doing? And they do 90, 95% of the care over the phone a lot of times. Yeah. And they mail me stuff. And a lot of times they're far enough away that I just get a cytopoint shot, for example, at my regular vet. And they've been very supportive in blood work. They're just super supportive about all of it. Yeah, so I think people should just understand there's lots of different options with working with veterinary dermatologists and your family veterinarian. So there's no, you know, one size fits all for an individual animal. It's based on what the different circumstances are. So just having that conversation, I think, is super helpful. Anything else that you would say is a key thing about having a pet with allergies and getting success with their allergy treatments? This is something we talk about pretty much almost constantly in the group and you covered it recently in a podcast but it's the second other important thing that i've learned is that medicated baths and topical treatments are pretty much key like you can control so many things with those medicated baths i think i gave all of at least 300 baths probably more <laughs> over the years and that sounds like a lot but we just used it as bonding time and i'd put a little stick a licky mat and she'd lick up peanut butter she thought it was great <laughs> But the medicated baths are really what have kept my new dog with allergies clear. The cytology came back super clean. Probably shouldn't have bathed her right before the appointment, but it, still was, <laughs> it was still clean about two weeks after. So I had bathed her two weeks beforehand. You and washed then, away all of our evidence. <laughs> I know. Well, I didn't the second time. So the second time I did not. <laughs> She's okay. still clear. I know. They forgot to warn me and I forgot to. I, I know better. Like, I know better. And then with all of it, I was able to pretty much contain her allergies a lot of the time just on medicated baths as long as I had her other treatments. But if I lapsed on those medicated baths, like even a few days, she was itchy again. And I always try and ask pet owners about medicated bathing. How does your pet do in the bath? Because if the bath is a struggle, then it's going to be a struggle to control those allergies. So if any pet owners out there are listening and they're having a hard time with medicated baths, it's important to have that conversation with their veterinarian about what your bath routine is and ways that you can troubleshoot to make it a bonding experience and a positive experience so that not only is the animal more accessible to have those baths and looks forward to it, but it makes your job easier too. Because nobody wants to do a medicated bath if it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be a hassle. That's just going to contribute to that caregiver burden um, mm -hmm. that, you know, that you already have when you have an animal with significant allergies. So make your life easier and make those baths as fun as possible. It's going to set you up for success. Absolutely. Because, oh, goodness, <laughs> we spent a lot of time, 10 minutes a pop doing it. So if it's going to be a struggle, it's not going to be good. And that's one thing the group has been really helpful with is I didn't know about Licky Mats. I didn't know about these various tools. However, we do actually have some trainers in the group that are positive trainers. And they often speak up when we're talking about like, how do you give your dog a bath? And we're really careful about screening for positive and We don't allow, you know, negative reinforcement on that sort of thing. But the positive really works in kind of leading people up. And we've had so many people ask us about how do you give your dog a bath? Maybe we should start telling them to talk to their germ vet. That's what we should do probably. 
There you go. That's great. Well, I am very, very thankful that you came on the show today. And for anyone who's looking to find a place where they can talk about their allergic dog and feel like you're surrounded by people who know what you're going through, the Dog Allergies Information and Support Facebook group is a wonderful resource. And they are evidence-based. They support veterinary dermatologists and just a great group of people to be a part of who know what you're going through. So I would encourage anyone who's listening to go and check them out. But we end each episode of the podcast with a little segment that I call Scratching the Itch. Scratching the Itch is a segment that is designed to highlight something. It's either a human interest story, a product, a website, whatever you like that just provides relief or makes you feel good. Hence, Scratching the Itch. Petra, do you have a Scratching the Itch for our listeners today? Well, obviously, I like podcasts and I like animals. And with all the chaos in the world, I've been enjoying a podcast called This Is Love. And it talks about just all kinds of love stories and loves. And these are loves for animals. This is loves, friendship loves. It's just various types. There's a couple of episodes that were just so good. One of them was about a man who was in a Japanese internment camp. And he ended up befriending and raising a baby magpie. And he just loved that thing. And it became a wonderful mimic. I had no idea magpies were mimics. And there was another one about a man who was an ultra runner and he was running through the Gobi Desert and this dog started following him. And so he ended up befriending the dog and I don't want to ruin it, but it was just a lovely, lovely story. And it's just what we need right now. (laughs) Oh, that sounds really sweet. I'll have a link to This Is Love so people can check that out and listen to those stories. I'm going to have to listen to them on my drive to and from work. Thank you for suggesting that. You're welcome. And I love this picture that you have of you and Olive in the car driving to go see the vet. She is so beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, we did that a lot as part of stuff you had suggested, actually. I took her to the vet even just to go pick up a prescription and we'd go take her in. They'd give her cookies and love on her. And then so she never really had a big fear of the vet. You did happy visits. Yeah. And it was helpful at the end because we just gave her tons of cookies and she wasn't scared. So... That's great. Well, I am so thankful for you coming on today and sharing Olive's story and sharing your journey with your allergic pets. I hope this helps some people who are going through and struggling with their own allergic pets and makes them feel a little bit better and more supported. So thank you very much, Petra. You're welcome. And thanks for your podcast. It's been so helpful. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm very happy that you share the podcast on the group. And thank you for supporting veterinary dermatologists out there. And for everyone listening, I look forward to your next visit with your vet wants you to know.